Oh, jeez, Doc. I don't just feel good about anything that I do. What do I got? Well, it seems like you have a bad case of imposter syndrome. Oh, man, Doc. How do I deal with that? I don't even know. Well, it sounds like you need this jam. You're listening to DevMap, the podcast for junior developers and the cure for imposter syndrome. We are here to bring you tips, tricks, and tools of the trade to navigate your career as a developer. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason. Welcome all. And this is the DevMap podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Omar Kimbaya, and uh, we have a special guest for 2019, uh, Ben Trent. Welcome, Ben. Hola. So, Omar, did you have a good New Year? I did have a great New Year. It's actually Chinese New Year right now. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. That's right. Very, very cool. I, I can't order anything off of eBay during Chinese New Year. Apparently, nothing happens. Yeah, the, the entire nation has a whole week off. Uh, it's it's actually a really cool event. If you ever if you ever been to China during New Year's, I would highly recommend doing so. Nothing is open. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's on vacation, apparently. Yeah, basically. So so what's so what's special about Year of the Pig? Do you just get more pork? No, no, no. <laughs> That's racist. We're editing that out. <laughs> what? No, I'm kidding. So with with pigs, pigs are like, of course, with everything in Chinese culture, it's all about good fortune and and wealth and and having more than you need. So with with pigs, it's it's even the the Chinese character for family has a pig inside of it. So the very top of family has like the roof of a house, and inside the house is this giant pig. So you put those two things two things together. If you have a big pig in your home, it means that you have plenty. It means that you're happy. It means you're wealthy. It means you you have enough uh, to make it through. So it's it's just it's just a very nice thing. Um, nothing other than that. There's like I don't know too much more about what's special about Year of the Pig. But hey, if you're born in it, you're probably going to be a, a wealthy person. Maybe. Hey hey, when what what year was Jeff Bezos born? Oh God, uh, sixty four. That's when he was born. <laughs> you're the you're the dragon. <laughs> oh. Certainly wasn't year of the rooster. <laughs> All right, so 1964, Zodiac year 1964. We're going to find this out. Yep. <laughs> oh, he was the wood dragon. <laughs> wood dragon. Well, that's that works. Yep. He's he's got he's got to change his life. He's Brozos now, Jeff Brozos. Totally. Yeah. So the wood dragons born are introverted and silent in personality, which means that they're growers, not showers. Well, they yet to release the pics, so we'll find out. <laughs> I really hope they don't. That's so embarrassing. Nice. I totally hope they do. He called their bluff. They should totally do it. And then uh, he'll just own uh, that newspaper, too. He'll buy him out, Bill Gates style. Yeah, he'll just <laughs> they'll fall on their own sword. Jeez. Right. Embrace and extinguish. <laughs> hot dang now of course we didn't invite ben to talk about jeff bezos and his packages oh my god so of course (laughs) the theme for this uh particular episode of dev map is going to be about the journey from junior developer 
to a senior developer. And Ben has a lot of great experience. So Ben, tell us more a little bit about yourself and where you come from and what you do. Uh, well, uh, I was originally a math nerd, and uh, but I needed to make money. So I couldn't just do math stuff. And uh, consequently, I got into tech and I've worked my way from frontline help desk and played around as a sysadmin for a while, automated myself out of a job, and then uh, became a developer at a um, startup doing um, like video codec centralized management stuff. And now um, worked at Rackspace for a bit, and now I'm with Elastic. Very cool. So what do you do at Elastic? So I'm on the uh, machine learning team, and uh, we work on the kick-ass machine learning product. And I think it's pretty awesome. Unbiased opinion, of course. It is on. Well, yeah. I mean, try it out yourself and let me know. Um, <laughs> Coke and Pepsi. Let's do this. I, all the, all hey, the, I wouldn't know what the other alternative to Elastic's machine learning stuff. Maybe Splunk. Probably Splunk. I don't want to badmouth uh, Splunk uh, in a public forum. Uh, they have a, they have a fine they have a fine product. I just think ours is better. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. No one listens to this podcast, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so on the machine learning team, it's like a bunch of productization for algorithms. Um, if anybody who's in the machine learning world, uh, can tell you the vast majority of the work has to do with repeatability, uptime and data pipelining, nothing to do with algorithms. Um, so people who like play around with TensorFlow for a bit and then now consider themselves machine learning dev need a wake up call. Um, to be able to work with distributed data at scale. <laughs> and that's way different than uh, I just, I'm going to do a semis, like a deep learner to tell if it's a hot dog, not hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Jason liked that reference. No, that's cool. So I know that machine learning is, is something that a lot of people are talking about these days. So can you like tell us like the, the 30 second pitch for what the heck machine learning is? Uh. It's uh, statistics. <laughs> That's the pitch. It's it's not like how I see on Reddit, right? Where it's like the, the shaggy meme and they reveal machine learning, but it's really a bunch of if statements. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. So <laughs> Pro- yeah. prove me wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Change my mind. Change my mind. Change my mind. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, it is just statistics. It's a lot of data. Um, there are three main branches, which are reinforcement learning, supervised learning, and unsupervised learning. Uh, a lot of the elastic stuff is in the unsupervised realm right now, which has to do with clustering and inferring uh, relationships between uh, data. And then supervised is the learning stuff, which uh, a lot of folks probably recognize, like labeling images with a deep neural net. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, machine learning is just linear algebra and statistics uh it's there i i really don't like the phrase ai uh if it's in use then it's probably machine learning uh well and it, what was it i saw somebody post something the other day and if <laughs> if it's in a powerpoint then it's ai <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i posted that actually yeah that may have been it may have been you <laughs> i thought it was pretty hilarious though if it's ai it's probably in a powerpoint definitely well, and we all know that, but PowerPoint is Turing complete, so it probably could be. True. Yeah, you can do anything with that. All right. So 
That's that's really interesting. So a little bit about Elastic then. Can you tell us more about what that company does? Like I think we just kind of alluded a little bit to it in terms of how it's a competitor over to Splunk. But you know, what are these things? How would we define them and, and what are the use cases for these products? Yeah, so uh Elasticsearch is the thing that everybody knows. It's the open source um, one of the largest open source, perpetually open source uh, projects out there. Um, one of the largest, most widely used one. Uh, it's very, very beneficial for really fast free text and structured search uh, for semi-structured or unstructured data. Um, it's not, uh, some people consider it a database, other people consider it, and some people use it as like a, a data lake. Uh, but uh, it's infinitely horizontally scalable. Um, very fast search and just having very fast search um, enables just huge opportunities and many, many business verticals. And uh, machine learning part does uh, automatic anomaly uh, detection for time series data. And since a lot of people use Elasticsearch uh, along with Kibana and Logstash or Beats, they'll use it for their logging system uh, what anomaly detection will do is allow to find um, anomalous behaviors or uh, across your streaming data. And uh, does it pretty fast, can do it um, semi-real time. I mean, nothing's real time. I mean, honestly, I want to get down yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, Processor has to think about it first. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> yes. And the, well, I, I'm constantly amazed by like a new product that we're launching or a new thing that we're doing. I'm, blown away by all the stuff that's happening right now um and i think and i think kibana is pretty kick-ass i I would want to use kibana in front of any data source i love kibana yeah yeah so full disclosure uh, my company at perch security we use Elasticsearch and kibana very heavily logstash as well and also beats Um, beats has been a lifesaver for us in terms of pulling out windows event logs and sysmon logs and then being able to ship them over to uh, Logstash and Logstash goes ahead and mutates them however it needs to go and then just dumps it right into Elasticsearch for us to be able to search and do a lot of our threat hunting, historical analysis, and other security things that we can do at Perch Security. So we are huge uh, users of the Elastic Sec. So we're, I'm very excited to talk to somebody who does work at Elastic and, and can help us learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. And I, and it's so it's so amazing that uh, it's really well. It's really exciting to hear that people just throw it in their stack. They take the open source version, uh, or there is only the open source version. There is no two versions, um, right? And they'll take Elasticsearch and just throw that sucker in there and use it part of their service. And we have a lot of people who repackage it and use it. And I just think that's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Kibana has been a big lifesaver for us too. Jason, what other questions do you have? Uh, no, I just recently found out that we have uh, Elastic in ours, and we're using um, Ben. You you mentioned earlier was that Nest yeah. was a off offline conversation we had, and so that was kind of cool. Um, and you said you know the person who's on that team. Yeah, I mean Nest, the uh, .NET client wrapper, is probably one of the better clients that we have. We just re-released uh, the Node.js one, which is like crazy performant. Now we have the guy who wrote. Um, Fastify, he is head of that project and uh, he's kicking ass. And then we also have, we just released an official Go client that was rewritten and is uh, pretty cool too. Yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of very cool, cool um, software. And I really want to learn more. And um, 
you know, maybe later on you can give me the information of the the uh, Nest team guy because I really want to, you know, dive more into this. It's very, very interesting, and you bring up a lot of great topics. And you know, I think maybe that's kind of why we brought you on to this episode was uh, we're the whole topic of this episode was, you know, what's what's the um, holistic difference you know, or, or even the actual experience difference between a junior developer and a senior developer. Um, so topics like this, like machine learning and, um, you know, data lakes and all these, you know, it's it's very, um, you need a, a senior, a more skilled uh, developer to lead these projects and architect these projects. So that was our, mm -hmm. so that's our reasoning for bringing you in. Yeah, so, so... It's very like um, culturally inside of tech, we have um, really ch evolved over the last ten years around what is junior and senior, and we also seem to be skipping a very crucial step, which is one that doesn't have a junior or senior after their title, <laughs> right? Just the software engineer, right? Right. Um, but the journey, like the journey from. Uh, like from journeyman to master or um, from uh, from student to journeyman is a long one. And uh, there's a lot of people who stay at advanced beginner. And so, I don't know, the, the main difference between uh, junior and senior in my mind around how our modern uh, tech culture kind of defines it, I, senior can take a abstract thing and make it real um, and they can uh, take whatever they don't have to have perfect specs right they don't have to have a perfect definition of what the product should be they can say hey give me this thing here's a general idea and they'll give you something that works and works well uh, whereas junior definitely need good specs um, and they don't understand the depth of the technology they're using um, is that is that because you feel like a senior developer can kind of like you mentioned, right? They can they can architect um, your 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 application and foresee some pitfalls, uh, whereas a junior developer, you know, they can only see as far as the what their scope is. They they're not anticipating the next three you know, moves or they're not anticipating certain pitfalls. Exactly. And you say exactly the anticipating the three moves. Um, one of the key differences is business acumen, like being able to know, like, this is where the business is heading. I need to make sure that I keep this in mind while I'm writing this thing. And that uh, as the business evolves and as the business use cases evolve, that my product can evolve with it. Um that's a huge difference and that's critical in my mind as um, I don't think you can be a good senior engineer without knowing what uh, the business use cases are for what you're writing and how the company can actually make money from it. Hmm. Yeah. But to get back to like um, the idea of an advanced beginner, I threw that um, there, there was a really good article written 10 years ago. I'll have to send it to you so you can put it in show notes about uh, the perpetual advanced beginner okay and the and what they do and this is a, a, a huge majority huge majority that's redundant uh, a majority 
of of um but how large is this majority i need to know <laughs> uh more than 50 percent, which is pretty big got it wow that's perfect. huge perfect. <laughs> um they get stuck in advanced beginner which is um all the hows and what's but none of the whys um and those are some key those are some key different questions where um you know how something is done and like what to do for the specific thing it's like oh i know how to make a web server um but the more philosophical questions around why um that can be answered through business or can be answered through tech stack too so you have like the two viewpoints of the why um and junior developers are constantly trying to grow in the why and uh, senior developers um, are, st- are continuing to grow in it, but have a better concept of it. Okay. So uh, maybe uh, a junior developer is, I have a really nice shovel and it, it, it digs this hole much faster, right? But a senior would be asking, why are we digging this hole? <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a weird analogy. <laughs> right. <laughs> why are we even here? <laughs> dude why you why you digging this hole you're digging it great but why are you why are you doing this no it's because there's a new framework called shovel js i just want to try it out it's going to change the landscape i promise oh and another big so you said a new framework junior developers love new frameworks senior developers hate new frameworks (laughs) yep is it just because it's um there, there was actually a medium post i'm gonna find it so i can add in the show notes later but um they were saying that uh senior developers focus uh 80 of their time on on um really ingraining fundamentals and making sure that they understand and then the rest of the 20 percent can be uh divided up to like uh frameworks or other minutiae but the fundamentals is what can be translated from any language, and that is more useful than anything else. Right. The fundamentals are the why, you know, like, um, and the and that's why they, and that translates between frameworks. And there is the idea of um, developer joy, which is very important. But uh, a senior developer knows the if code isn't shipped, it's not making money. Yeah. So this this is so I work primarily within a sales team as a sales engineer. So this is one of those things that is a natural uh, tension between sales and engineering. So engineering is always going to be a cost, right? It's they don't make money doing what it is that they do. You need to have somebody else be a part of that process to to make that money. But for them, they think like, oh, I'm so valuable because I'm creating these things of value. But at the same time, it's like, look, it doesn't matter if you build this really cool widget. If no one's going to buy it, it's completely worthless to the organization. And therefore, there's no way for you to get paid at the end of the day if no one is actually pushing this product or, or trying to find that market fit. So it's that's a really interesting point that you bring up. The senior developer has to understand how to align the technology and the products along with business use cases and also that market fit. Exactly. And um, I would say an exceptional engineer would build those use cases out and give them the sales. Um, there's a couple people on our Kibana team 
are on the machine learning side of the Kibana team who uh, work on the UI front end all the time, and they provide sales with um, use cases and business use cases that sales didn't even think of. And they're like, this is amazing. So we're going to be able to go to market with this. Um, and that is very cool. Yeah. And I, I think that that is like, that is a big separation. Um, but to back to like, um, shipping something and that being very important, right? A lot of, um, what is like the bigger, the beard, the more Linux knowledge there is, right? Uh, Unix, like the Unix. older, they, the older <laughs> Unix, Unix beard, yeah. sorry, Unix beard. Um, because that's a framework that they're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just because they're not using a new framework, um, I bet that their productivity <laughs> is still pretty high uh, because using a new framework requires time spin up, um, especially if it's a very new one that doesn't have uh, stability yet. Yeah. And that's the problem I've seen with a lot of JavaScript frameworks is that a new one will be spun up and everybody would want to jump to it, but it doesn't have the stability necessary for a long-term product. Um, maybe something fun on the side that evolves into something big, but if it's like, this is our company is hinging on this thing. Uh, I'm going to use a, a pretty solid framework that I already know that I can build something in quickly. I mean, that's why PHP is so huge still because it's so easy uh, and a lot of people still know it. And there's a lot of good, strong frameworks for it too. And a lot of products that are based on P or written in PHP to work like WordPress, for example, is a really big one. I believe Joomla as well. Although that's not as big, <laughs> Drupal, you know, all those content management systems, those are all written in PHP and they make up a large portion of the web. Did you say Joomla? Joomla. Joomla. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that don't one. Don't worry. It, it's not closure, so don't worry about it. <laughs> nah. Closure is my, closure's my uh, favorite baby language, but I don't get to play around with it much. And we're like an all Java house. So. Yeah. Yeah, everything is uh, Java elastic. I mean, that's good though, because to your point, you have to be able to ship something that is stable. Yeah, and so we do have, there is a lot of discussion around um, shipping schedules and how, um, what ships when. And uh, there's, there is a, like, we have to be careful about um, licensing and everything still um, uh, because of, even with all the new licenses that are coming out, uh, if it's not tested yet, you can't really guarantee that it's going to do what it says it's going to do. Right. Not until a court, not until it's held up in court or until the community has bought into it a lot. So like old, old licenses, LGPL, AGPL and GPL versions two, three and Apache, et cetera, are pretty clear in their intentions and the community has uh, come around them. And some of them have been tested in court. Uh, but even licensing is something that, it's another separation between junior and senior developers is that juniors don't even think about it. Um, we're at the senior level. You're like, this is a concern of yours because you know, it's your ass on the line. Yeah. I think big John, we had a, a podcast with him not too long ago last year, in fact, so long ago. And <laughs> this podcast is being recorded on February 10th, 2019. But one of the things that he said was that the definition for senior engineer or senior software developer it it either he said that in a podcast or he said it at a meetup that we had here locally but it basically boils down to 
you are you are good in your specific language tool of choice, whatever that might be, and you can align business objectives with software. Yeah. But in terms of orchestration, in terms of additional experience, in terms of uh, team building, in terms of greater business objectives and security, a lot of that stuff still isn't necessarily expected depending on what organization that you are going to to work in uh, as a as a senior something. Yeah. And and I want to get your thoughts on mm-hmm. that because I think as you said earlier, it's it's dependent on the company's culture, right? Yeah. And what what makes the title senior interesting is how it has uh, I prefaced a lot of what I've said with like our current tech culture. Um because it has evolved, senior is now mid-range um, at the vast majority of companies. Like, and that is that is a strong opinion, a hot take. Seniors mid-range, it's not senior. Uh, and on that bombshell, we will go ahead and conclude this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Writing in a framework for five years, I'm glad that you can produce something. And I'm sure you write a lot of working code, but that doesn't make you senior. Oh, I worked at a startup for X amount of years, but that doesn't make you senior. And I, I do agree with John on the, aligning with the business. Yeah. Um, but the other concerns that he talked about with um, mm. team health, I do think that's a senior role. I do think senior engineers should be doing that. But that has evolved into more of... Um, the idea of principles and distinguished, or we push it off to management, which uh, to me, I just want less management. So I just think tech people should take up the reins. <laughs> How libertarian of you. Very. But we had like, there's been this like slight movement towards um, senior being more mid range or at the top of mid range, maybe. And then you're not really. Uh, in the upper echelons until you have principal or distinguished after your name or um, stack lead or um, uh, there's some other titles at other companies. I can't remember all of them. So Ben, do you think there's threshold for you from like a junior (laughs) to in your terms, like a a mid uh, it's not an experience type thing, right? It's not like I, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, right? I, I know I have five years experience in this specific stack. Like, what is it that distinguishes that? Like, where's that, that dividing line for you? I have to align with John um, or uh, taking the abstract and making it real. That's a, that is a huge thing because when people ask for something or they ask for a product, uh, generally they don't know what's, capable whereas you as the engineer should know what's capable and so you should be able to um or possible and you're capable of making it possible um and you should be able to take the abstract and make it real make sure it aligns with business um, and be able to talk and explain to people at senior vp or c-suite whatever you're working on sure and and is that what you would say um is a pillar of a successful senior developer is yes. communication or, or is there any other traits that you would, you know, feel are critical? Being able to uh, write well, like write, write nonfiction. Well, I'm not talking about blog posts or anything. You don't have to do that, <laughs> but being able to write yourself, write your thoughts out clearly, succinctly 
so that people understand them. Um, and being able to talk on them too. And I don't have to, it's, I'm not even talking about conference talks or anything. You don't even have to be entertaining. You just have to be able to make your point clear. Um, and so I, the communication is one of the pillars. Uh, tech savviness, of course, is another, where you are able to uh, work well in a, you don't have to go to Stack Overflow, Google all the time. Now, of course, everybody goes to it. The internet goes down. You're going to have to figure it out yourself reading the docs. But being able to be handed a framework and figuring out how it works, as long as it's probably not written in Ruby. Ruby metaprogramming can be pretty hard to wrap your head around. But um, uh, but being able to wrap your head around whatever framework you're using, if you have to use one. But being able to have a go-to tool that is powerful enough that you can make anything a reality that is asked, given enough time and money, then yeah, uh, that that's a hallmark of a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then business alignment, uh, being able to bring up new product ideas. And I would say communicating directly with customers. A lot of software engineers don't want to do that. You should totally know your users. Or we don't say, you don't want to say users anymore. Sorry. Uh, you should totally know the people who... Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. We can't say users anymore? Is that another banned word? Yeah, man. Users. Uh, what is it? Why is it the only two things that are users are people who use drugs and people who use software? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh my God! I didn't. Even, I did not even make that correlation or yeah. like that mm. connection. <laughs> like I, I never. Like I did not watch American Gangster and listen to Denzel Washington. <laughs> like, well, our users love products. Like, I never. Like you don't. You don't hear that. So salesmen are just product pushers. Dang. Dang. Wow. Okay, let, let, let's, let's minimize everybody's role. <laughs> yeah. They're just a bunch of plugs everywhere. No, I know that's that's very uh that's a new age. It's a new age thing. I understand the idea behind it. I'm not completely sold on it. I still call my customers users. But... <laughs> I still call my customers abusers. <laughs> You're a security company, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But like whenever people are making these giant queries, like oh my god, they're 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 pushing the boundary. <laughs> yeah, this is this was not meant to do this. That's an uh, that's a funny thing about Elasticsearch is that we get a lot of good product ideas by how people have bastardized the stack to make it do what they want it to do. <laughs> Always communicate so with like, your oh. users. <laughs> He's like, oh wow, y'all are using it this way. Man, what if we just made that easier? Yeah, <laughs> then we could totally make money off of this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Wow. laughs> All right. So speaking of money, let's the, the elephant in the room kind of is that for a lot of people that get into tech, it's either because they, they love the technology, they love working with it, and or they also want to you know live well and, and have good income coming in. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, when you're looking at a senior level developer, they tend to be making a good amount of money because of the amount of responsibility that they have and, and the competition that follows. So for a lot of the junior people that are out there, they're making you know a, a nice wage uh, previous to their other positions potentially. What would be the what would be the, the roadmap for them to get from where they are today to let's say a senior developer position? Because I'll tell you this: there's a ton of junior and mid level developers. And there's not that many senior level developers. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about what happens after that mid-level portion of a person's career. But first, let's talk about that roadmap and see where that that takes us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, First, uh, read Never Split the Difference 
learn how to negotiate. Um, I wish I read that book like my first year of writing code. Um, you absolutely need to read that book. Uh, it's going to teach you how to negotiate and uh, everything is a business transaction when you're communicating like um, pay and everything and raise. Uh, you should go into it with some negotiating tool sets and never split the difference is a really good succinct book around that. Um, another thing is if you don't feel like uh, you can't quite cut it, uh, you need to up your game. Like you need to go to a place where you feel like you're outclassed and you need to always like uh, my philosophy is if I don't quite, if I feel very comfortable in what I'm doing, and there isn't that sw- slight discomfort around um, I'm I'm not being pushed or I can't quite I can't quite do this I don't think and I'll push you to the next level every time and so if if a junior developer is getting comfortable in what they're doing uh, jump ship quick get out of there ASAP you're wasting your time and uh, if you don't uh, and if you are concerned about making like a lot of money you need to start making like negotiating and pushing yourself a priority because as soon as you reach, uh, I'm going to start showing my age, but as soon as you reach 40 um, and you're a tech person and you haven't reached your salary cap, you're never going to, it's going to be really hard to reach it. Mm. Uh, it's just the way the culture is right now. Hopefully that changes in the future as um, the, this new uh, class of tech people, um, get older, and I hope that that culture does change. But I've talked to many people who didn't negotiate up, and now they're forty and they've reached their salary cap, and they just can't push it any farther. They can't negotiate any higher because people don't see them with that value, um, and that sucks. And I think that's a bad perception, but that's a real one. And is that more more like age? Is it like a really age? It's, it's age. It's age and pay. So if they they see wow. that you are if you're making X and you're, and you're age mm-hmm. Y, they think you're not worth that much. Even though you could be. You just never fought for the money ahead of time. And so there is this real value behind how much you're getting paid and how much people think you're worth. Because the more you get paid, people will automatically start thinking that you're worth that much. Right. It, it's, um, the, someone once told me that um, you have to fight for a higher pay. You're right. To party. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, thank you. Thank you for finishing that one. <laughs> Sorry, Jason, please go no, ahead. <laughs> no, the, uh, someone told me like, uh, you have to fight for your, when, when you're negotiating your initial pay, that that potentially will be your end pay. And, you know, if you go somewhere else, that's potentially where you'll start. So why, you know, yeah. Yeah, so like in negotiating pay, have a really have a range with a really high anchor. Uh, and if you read if you read the read never split the difference, you'll um, learn this and a lot of other fun tools tools for uh, negotiating. But you always provide a range, and you always provide something that you think you don't deserve. Like like I don't deserve one hundred and forty five to one sixty five. Ask it, ask it. I mean, the worst they're going to do is like give you something, give you something a little bit lower, but the high anchor um, will automatically bring them up higher than what they were going to offer you. Um, 
And that's if you have to give a range. Now we're getting down to like pay negotiating, but that is a huge part. And, uh, but to make the jump from junior to senior, the pay negotiations are huge job and skill sets, nego- job and responsibility negotiations. You need to fight for more responsibility. Um, and um, third would be you have to push yourself to be uncomfortable. If if you are exercise, like I mean, if you're lifting weights and exercising, yeah, um, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, you have to push. Your, you have to do that one more. Like you have to push yourself to that one more, or you're never going to get past the plateau. And and so you have to purposefully practice your craft. And so you have to be slightly uncomfortable with what you're doing so that you can um, get better at it. I, I, I like how you, you mentioned like to be in a place of um, uncomfortableness. I don't know if that's yeah. the correct word, Gomar. Um, but you can correct me later. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like junior developers, other junior developers that I talk to, they they get this. I'm sure you're aware, like imposter syndrome, right? Like like they're not. Yeah. They they only want to go in in a environment where they're comfortable, and you know, not not necessarily that'll be information will be spoon fed to them, but that they won't be overwhelmed, you know. Yeah. And I like your take because, you know, it shows that you're more of a seasoned developer. That well, I only want to go places where I'm constantly being questioned. Not not like not in that sense, but like I'm like always having to challenge myself and and progress, right? So I'm thinking maybe that's that's the difference between a, a junior and a senior. That like possibly one one one. Well, one let's in, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let's take a step back here because I know that that Ben earlier said like you know if you're not being challenged in the place that you're going where you are right now, find somewhere else where you can be challenged. It's really hard to find that. Like let's let's just be honest here. It is it is hard to find that that situation. Now, I think but, a lot oh, of this on. is what, really going to be. Uh, sorry, which situation? It's hard to find a place where you're not challenged, or hard to find a place where you are. It's hard to find a place. It's hard to know what place is going to be challenging for uh, you. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. So, understanding that. I think that a lot of what really differentiates somebody who is passionate about their career and wants to move up is that they do a lot of things on their own time. They do a lot of self-learning. They do a lot of, you know, maybe building, maybe they, they contribute to open source. There's a lot of things that a developer can do to constantly challenge themselves as opposed to waiting for an employer to do it. Right, because yeah. at that point you're just you're just creating more value for yourself, and then the value that you have can be translated over to you know a higher paycheck or uh, more responsibility at work because you have shown that you can handle these larger workloads. Right, it's it's really a, a self driven thing. It's not so much of an external thing, at least. Yeah. So um, my philosophy around that is, if I can get challenged in my work. That's where I'm gonna work on it. Um, at my job at Rackspace, that was not happening. So I started. So I got my master's in part time while just doing that because I needed. Boom. I needed to like have something to eat up my time, so I could like. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's also a personality thing, but I would 
encourage people not to do free work. Um, it is, I know that you do have to like pay your dues as a junior dev and that's part of the culture. Um, and I do think contributing to open source and challenging yourself that way is very good. Um, but if your, if your work is challenging you, then I would say do that and let that be your focus. Um, yeah. but if you're saying I need to pivot soon, then, uh, start working on your pivot game, figuring out where you're going to go. I want to go back to the imposter syndrome thing for a second. Go for it. I think part of part of the problem is just this embracing of FOMO that the tech culture that tech culture has, um, where oh, if I'm not learning framework X, Y, and Z, and I don't know them because um, Martin Fowler wrote an article on it, then uh, I'm losing and I'm falling behind, or I'm not going to be relevant in a, a couple years or whatever. And there's this constant, it is a, it's a fear of missing out, where it's like, I just don't know X, Y, and Z. I just, I'm never going to know this Node.js framework or this um, uh, freaking, uh, I'm never going to learn functional programming, you know, which you should, uh, by the way, it'll make you better at what you do. Um <laughs> I'm never gonna know it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I'm never gonna be able to learn. I can't wrap my head around. I don't have time to do this, and not everybody can do everything. And so you got to pick your battles, pick your specialties, and focus on them. And don't allow this constant noise. We, there's a very low signal to noise ratio in tech blogs and tech culture, and we're very likely adding to the noise ourselves right now. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> I hope there's some signal in here, uh, <laughs> but you need like, you need to focus on what you're going to pay attention to and do those things. Um, and don't let, don't let the FOMO get you down and make you think that you can't do all the things because you shouldn't have to, and you don't need to um, have confidence in what you know. And, uh, bring that to the table and keep pushing yourself. My name is Omar Kimbaya and I approve this message. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that um, analogy you used, uh, Ben, you know, with uh, people at the gym, right? It's, they have that sense of yeah. FOMO too, right? Where they see the, you know, sculpted bodybuilders and like, well, I want to learn Sculpted. that. You know, I want to learn that and do that, and they feel like, nah, I want to yeah. learn that. Mm, what, what? <laughs> bro? I want to. I want to learn that up and down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, horrible, horrible pivot. I know. Like, Jason's like he wants to learn that in the biblical sense. I want to know it. <laughs> oh, I want to know yeah, that. I want to know that. <laughs> Calm down oh, there, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop creeping up in the gym, bro. <laughs> That's where people are trying to get up, get past their plateaus, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, but it is, but it is that FOMO. Like you, like you feel you're missing out, and it, it's. I mean, it's just what is it like? Uh, you're running faster than all the people still sitting on their couch. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of so there's there's a lot of parallels between. Uh, physical exercise, which you should always do because that just makes your brain better. Um, it'll make you a better developer. Uh, and uh, the medical industry, but uh, the medical industry will have to be another uh, podcast oh, for yeah. another time. Goodness. I have a lot of thoughts on those parallels. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got five minutes left, and I hate to cut it short, but I would love to start talking about 
uh, news and events that are coming in uh, very soon, and also any sort of recommendations. So I know, Ben, you made a recommendation earlier for a book, which was, can you remind us again? Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference. And that book is all about negotiation and and income negotiation? Well, it's not necessarily about income negotiation. The guy who wrote it uh, negotiated for hostage lives and stuff like that. But he's an ex-FBI negotiator, um, does a lot of training uh, for corporations and stuff. And I think every salesperson should totally read it. So looking looking at you. And uh, I do think that every person who has to negotiate anything ever in their lives, whether it be a car price or their income, which mm. is the price of you. If you think right. about it like that, your income is I'm trading time for money. Right. Your time is crazy important. Your it's, salary is a hostage. So it is. It. You are, <laughs> you are oh my incredibly God. important. Your salary is a hostage. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that one either. Like, I think, I think, I think you flip the. I think, I think, I think you're the hostage, and they're paying a salary to keep you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. There you go, wage slave. When I. <laughs> All right, Jason. Do you have any recommendations for us? Yeah, I have a couple of recommendations. Uh, All right, so- just one. <laughs> All right. Well, you can have the other one. All right. All right. Cool. All right. So, uh, so yeah. So this is February twentieth to the twenty fourth is Developer Week, uh, twenty nineteen. Developer Week is hosted in San Francisco, and it is the largest developer conference and event series with dozens of week long events, including the uh, Expo, and there's also the nation's largest Codathon. It's a challenge driven hackathon. Uh, I don't know why I said Codathon, but it is a hackathon with over $14,000 in cash prizes. They also have a hiring expo. So a bunch of series of workshops, open houses, drink ups, pub runs, citywide events all across San Francisco. So if you have a chance and you're in that area, you can you have the funds to go out there. Check it out. Uh, Developer Week, 20, February 20th through the 24th. There are still tickets available uh, in the different tiers. And also, if you can't afford to be over there, then you should negotiate your salary after you read the book that Ben had suggested. All right. So uh, my recommendation for today will be the Via Go Code Essay Codeathon. I did this the first time they had it, and it was an experience. I learned a lot, and I got to work with some really interesting people, and and we came up with like this app that was never used and was probably shelved and thrown away and put in a dumpster. But I don't care. We were actually able to build something, and we were able to learn. We were able to collaborate, and we all lost sleep over it. Now, the Codathon is in its third year, I believe, and correct things are just going to be a lot better. They're not doing overnighters anymore. Uh, you can build your teams ahead of time and start thinking about what you're going to be doing. But it is a program that VIA came up with, and the general idea is like, let's get a lot of smart people together, and let's see if we can get these smart people to solve some real problems or create new opportunities uh, with over a weekend. So that's going to be from February 22nd to 24th of this year, and you can go to gocodesa.com to find out more details. And that's our show. Thank you to our guest, Ben from Elastic. Uh, It was good talking to you. And if you have any questions, 
please uh, send them to devmapteam at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on anchor.fm, uh, devmap podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. at devmappodcast. You can also reach us on our website, devmappodcast.com. That is working, right? Yeah, you you, you built it, bro. <laughs> it's I, all you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I did build it. Thanks again. My name is Jason Gutierrez. My co-host is Omar Kimbaya, and this is the DevMap.